She speaks like someone who was written by someone who has never spoken to a woman. Uh, it's the types who have only heard a woman's voice by talking to another man using a falsetto imitating the dialogue. <laughs> like, oh, jeez. Then maybe we should get some free salad. Whatever, bitch. I'm moving on. <laughs> yeah, I was expecting at any point for her to say, I have a vagina. <laughs> yeah, at any point, her dialogue could have been, and then she's all, oh, wait, no, I'm not supposed to say that. So. <laughs> I'm like so on my period right now, guys. Jesus. God awful movie. 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 Welcome back to the Gamcast, where each week we sample another selection from Christian Cinema because we don't want easy answers to the what do you do for a living question. I'm your host, Noah Illusions, and sitting 600 miles to my left is my good friend, Heath Enright. He's not, like, on this call or this episode or anything. He's, he's at a friend's wedding this week, but I thought you might still wonder where he was sitting. And, of course, sitting 81 miles to my right is my bad friend, Eli Bosnick, who is on this call in this episode. Eli, how are you doing this fine evening, sir? I'm doing pretty great. Hey, you know who's a great actor? <laughs> Who's Sting. that? Sting is a great actor. <laughs> yeah, we'll find out all about that in just a second. And of course, also joining us today is our special guest masochist. Marissa McCool is one of the hosts of the Inciting Incident podcast and the author of The PC Lie, How American Voters Decided I Didn't Matter. Reese, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. And I'm absolutely delighted to be here. I did take legal advice from a podcast and that's how I, oh shit, wait. Uh, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> Forgot which show it was already. All right. So uh, before we dive into this piece of cinematic shit that lies before us, uh, can you tell us a little about uh, about your book? Sure. Well, I am a recently out trans woman. Uh, I go to the University of Pennsylvania. And as someone who goes to the same school that our new newest president is going to go to <laughs> or he went to, excuse me, um, I wrote my reaction right after the election and ended up turning it into a book. So it's really just a series of essays telling Donald Trump and voters for him to go fuck themselves. Uh, Chris Cluey did the foreword, and we also had some guy named Eli write an essay. I, I don't know. He's some obscure dude on the Internet. I think he mm -hmm. messaged me on OkCupid or something. But in, gotcha. in, in essence, uh, I told my backstory. I told a lot of the uh, – People, what I thought about a lot of the important issues that surrounded Trump's election and how I thought blaming PC culture was the stupidest thing I'd ever heard. But the first chapter is a 30-page rant right after the election that just said, fuck you, Donald Trump, and fuck you for voting for him. Yeah, I, I also wrote an immediate reaction piece to that, and I can't get anybody to publish it because it just says fuck over and over again for 212 <laughs> pages. But we're still looking We're still looking for a publisher. I'm still sure we can still find I feel like that sentiment is shared by a lot of people. A lot of people would write to me and say, oh, you put it into words. This is exactly how I felt. But, you know, publishers. I feel like uh, there's going to be a publishing section, the top 10 Donald Trump go fuck yourself books at Barnes & Noble. So it's going to work <laughs> right. <out. laughs> All right. So and then that's awesome. That's awesome. And of course, we'll have it linked on the show notes. I just want to say I feel terrible for whatever editor had to take Eli's essay and turn it into like English with punctuation and stuff. Thanks, but Amber. It, apparently it got done. So uh, I guess we can get to this stupid ass movie now. So Eli, tell us, what are we going to be breaking down today? We watched The Encounter. 
It's the story of five strangers who accidentally end up at Jesus's dinner theater magic show. (laughs) And it really is just that stupid. That's the whole fucking thing. And Reese, how bad was this movie? Well, I'll explain for both the non-wrestling fans and the wrestling fans, since I assume the reason you picked me is that I'm a wrestling writer and former pro wrestler. For the non-wrestling fans, if you like the start play, no exit, but thought what it really needed was a non-subtle Jesus saying he loves you or you should die, you will <laughs> love this movie. <laughs> I did not expect a Sartre reference in the uh, description there. Well done. Bringing John Paul Sartre again. Classing it up, classing it up. I got a Shakespeare one later. Just wait. And, oh, wow. And for the for the wrestling fans out there, all seven of them who read my column and are tuning into this, I'm sure, it's Sting Hogan, Starcade 97, but without the awesome buildup first. I'm going to assume that was... Dead on. Awesome. They ended up fucking, <laughs> for those who don't watch, they ended up fucking. It got taken off TV, but not before, like, you saw the penetration. You saw it. Oh, yeah. Pay-per-view in 1997. <laughs> I really should get into wrestling. It's way better than I thought. I'm dying to know what that hold is called. Now, is, is there anything that y'all would like to nominate this one for being the best at being the worst at? Actually, I have two, uh, forgive me for stepping on any toes, but, uh, first of all, best worst scene blocking for the uh-huh. first few minutes in the diner, uh, the guy who, spoiler, is Jesus, he looks, <laughs> he looks like he's on a completely different set. Like, he's staring directly into the camera and people are just walking in and all you see is him just sitting there like, hey, what's going on? It's, it's, it's hard in an audio medium to capture how bizarre that is. But yeah, it seemed for at least for the first 10 minutes that he was a part of this movie that like this actor was radioactive and had to be filmed separately from all the other actors. <laughs> it was there were several times where you're just like, who all is in this scene? Like he had to send in his his uh, scenes from to David A.R. White from Russia <laughs> because he's in quarantine or something. Yeah, <laughs> right. I also assume that's where they met him at the end. And but you said you had two. Yes, I do. And this one is probably more important. And uh, I will bitch about this later. But best worst use of genocide to show that God is love and suicide. But we'll get to that. (laughs) Yeah, I think we might just spend a little time on that portion of the pro genocide (laughs) portion of the movie. Um, Eli, you got any nominations? Uh, Yeah, I'm going to go with best worst murdery dialogue. This movie is in every way except the murdering a horror movie, right? Yes. Five strangers end up at a diner with a crazy guy who has crazy demands for them. He just never gets around to actually like attacking people with a scythe. Like they even have moments where they're like, oh, okay, well, we're going to leave now. And he's like, you can't leave. I've deactivated your car. But instead he just keeps talking talking about Jesus. It's really it's the only time I've been disappointed not to see a teenager murdered that I haven't been arrested <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> also, I got one more here. Best worst magic act. Now, I, this is going to be a little bit personal to me, but like this movie is very very similar to my act as a magician down to guessing people's favorite foods that is a staple in my professional magic act is like oh i bet if you could guess your favorite food it's this so when i saw jesus i literally wrote in my notes for the first time motherfucker jesus stealing my act god damn it <laughs> just a series of magic and i kept wanting at least one character to go ah 
ah, magic. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, okay. No. Well, and that's the fucked up thing about this. Like throughout this movie, this character has to convince everybody that he is Jesus, and he does everything that he does is something that I, I, Eli can do. And like I would know how he did it when he did it. <laughs> right. This it's all pretty basic. Like 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 this this whole fucking movie falls apart if if somebody says, "What if he looked us up on Facebook?" Oh. See, I just thought it was a vehicle to show off Sting's acting chops, like Eli was saying. So I thought he was debuting for Silent Hill or something because the whole 90s gothic thing really seemed to fit. Yeah. And to be fair, Sting does a great job pretending he fits into people clothes in this movie. He really he does a fantastic job. They they obviously put the front of people clothes on him, although I'm sure he was naked on the but Maybe they painted them on. He's, he does an excellent job pretending he knows how to wear anything except a leotard yeah no yeah they, they blew their whole cgi budget making him look uh human all right well oddly enough i've actually been looking forward to this movie for quite a while and it did not disappoint so we'll keep the break brief and when we come back we'll dive into the single endless scene that is the encounter hey there friend it's me jesus from the encounter boy we sure did have a lot of fun today Threatening and guessing people's favorite foods, pretending Sting fits into people clothes. But there's one thing that's very serious. Please, don't accept food advice from people who think they're deities at a diner. I know, it might all seem like fun at games at first, but hey, the guy who runs this gas and sip says he's Vishnu? Let's try what he's cooking. But what he's cooking, all too often, is people. In fact, why not try a delicious meal at home with Blue Apron? Blue Apron delivers fresh, pre-portioned ingredients along with easy-to-follow step-by-step instructions so that you can make delicious meals for almost any diet at home. But more importantly, if you don't love Blue Apron, it's almost certain they won't burn you in fire forever. Except for Allison. Allison takes her job at Blue Apron super seriously. Now, I know what you're thinking. There's no way Blue Apron delivers all the way out here at the Last Chance Diner, but... No worries, friends. Blue Apron delivers to 99% of the continental U.S. But don't take my word for it. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com forward slash movies. You will love how it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash movies. Blue Apron, a better way to cook and a way better way to eat than a diner run by Jesus. Welcome to the Last Chance Diner, friends. Yeah, uh, can I get a glass of water? I'll take a Coke. Oh, sorry, I only have water. You, you only have water? Yeah, yeah, uh, try it. It's, uh, it's my recipe. The, the water? Yep. You came in this, didn't you? Oh, that's it, he came in it. No, 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 no! I'm, 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 I'm hinting at something, y'all. Yeah, dude, you're hinting that you came in this water, loud and clear. No, no, what I'm hinting at is, Jesus, are you drinking it? <laughs> yeah, man, I'm picking up what you're putting now. Let's do this thing. You want to oh. bring me your special recipe of chocolate pudding now? Let's fucking do it. My safe word is Pokemon. Jesus, fuck! No, guys, guys, I'm God. I was hinting that I am God. Oh, so did did you want to? You, you know what? Never mind. Just just get out. You guys have ruined this whole fucking thing. Just get out. Hey, sorry. Real quick, can you come in my water? <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
And we're back for the breakdown, and we're going to start this one off on a dark and stormy night with a lone figure walking down a foggy street. This will not be the first time that you'll say to yourself, are you sure this isn't a horror movie? Yeah, and it stings, so the other actors are going to have to carry him through it to make it look respectable. Right. Like literally teach him how to walk. <laughs> yeah, and stand still and whatnot. Now, I have to say, okay, so I watched this on YouTube. Eli sent me this link, and it, the movie was free, but it had Cyrillic subtitles and terrible audio syncing, which made the movie so much fucking better, right? Because like every time I got bored out of my mind, I could just start looking at it and going, oh, that's like a T for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw that one, and in the uh, recommended files, there was another one right there. So I made the mistake of watching it in its pristine, synced-up glory. <laughs> yeah, definitely better when the words didn't quite match the people talking. <laughs> it gave you something to laugh at anyway. So yeah, so we meet Sting. He's in his car checking his phone, and damn it, if he doesn't kind of almost run into this girl in a hoodie that leaps out in front of him. Okay. In the road. I want to defend Sting's character because through the rest of the movie, we're going to pretend that this was Sting's fault. She sees a <laughs> mm -hmm. car coming down the road and she's like, hey, I want a hitchhike. I should jump out in front of this <laughs> fucking car. And she's like, hey, pick me up, pick me up. And he, who is distracted, is like, oh, uh, and swerves and does not strike her with his vehicle. And throughout the rest of the movie, this character, Kayla, will pretend that Sting almost hit her with his car, like, on purpose for hitchhiking. Right. She came, yeah. she came he came within, like, 20 yards of her, maybe. <laughs> right. And I thought we were going to reenact the pilot of Smallville or something. Like, we were going to find out Kayla was actually Supergirl, and we were going to go on a magic adventure that somehow goes on for 10 years it'll be great it'll be great it would have been better anyway yeah <laughs> yeah but this is going to be very pivotal he very clearly doesn't come anywhere near hitting her um and then drives on and then we move on to this other uh couple that's gonna be at the center of this movie this is a, a black couple listening to classical music while the wife is bitchy resting yes. bitch face raven simone is having none of your <laughs> shit Oh, my God. I have them as uh, reverse cuck porn and Jada Pinkett Smith sat on something <laughs> abruptly. So we need to talk about Hank. Oh, please. This couple's journey throughout this entire movie will be this man exemplifying a flaccid penis while his wife hates him for everything he does. This entire movie. You don't need to watch yes. any of it. It's just this guy going, I think I'll order some fries. And she'll be like, fine, order some fries. I hope you fucking die. And everyone else in the movie's like, they don't seem to be getting along. Not those people fucking hate each other and absolutely should get a divorce. Now, the movie yes. wants you to think, uh-oh, trouble in paradise. But any sane person goes, uh-oh, you should have divorced long ago. Yeah, right. Also, a uh, music note for this scene, because they're playing some weird kind of classical music in the car. Uh, I feel like a bad student film is starting. <laughs> and you are correct. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and I love, I will say, though, to give this movie some credit, this is the first time we've ever cut to a black couple without rap music. So, like, let's at least give them credit for this. But, yeah, this sandwich. wife... <laughs> exactly. Now, but this wife character, she will, for the first two thirds of this movie, every line she will have might as well just be, I am a bitch. <laughs> I am the bitch character. 
Truly. And of course, we also learn in the credits that this one was directed by David A.R. White. That gives me a lot of, a lot of joy Always and fuzzy sign. feelings. But they're driving and they pass by Hitchhiker Girl and she doesn't jump out in front of their car because, you know, lesson learned. Um, <laughs> but as we're going to learn, Jesus whispers in Hank's ear, pick her up. And I wrote in my notes, I get it. A voice in your head tells you to pick up and murder a Hitchhiker Girl, but your wife won't let you. I get it. I've been there. I'm just, that's what I'm, I, I'm just saying. I can empathize with Hank's character at this moment. But I, I assume these people are Christians or are going to at least end up being Christians. Why won't they pick up a strange person on the dark side of the road in the middle of the night? I just don't get it. <laughs> in the middle of nowhere with no street lights, and yeah, exactly. Um, and again, we are going to see this is a this is going to be presented as a moral failing of these characters over and over again through this movie that they, that they didn't stop to pick up the creepy girl on the dark. I mean, let's again, that's how horror movies start. Um, and then we meet yet another fucking character. This is um, the vaguely Asian chick. Mm, I call her old country buffet Anita Sarkeesian. <laughs> <laughs> Any minute now is expecting for this girl to tell me video games were sexist. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, but yeah, but she actually does pick up the, the hitchhiking teen girl. Um, and in a very creepy fucking way. Absolutely. The creepiest. She goes, she pulls up, she goes, hey, get in. And the girl's like, oh, where are you going? She goes, it doesn't matter. Just get in. Red flag. Look, hitchhiking is a bad idea, but if someone says it doesn't matter, just get in, you need to wait for another car. <laughs> you are going to be made into a people suit. Yeah, right. Right, but she gets in, and then they start they start driving together. And I wrote driving in quotes in my notes here because they're very, very clearly sitting in a parked car, but supposed to be driving. Right, there's very a there's a tree sitting outside the hitchhiker's window, yes. and it doesn't move. You can <laughs> right. see it not moving. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Lights are flying by, and you know they're they're trying to simulate what they think a car sounds like, but tree right there in the window. Also, the dialogue in this scene is very clearly the beginning of a softcore porn about vampires. It doesn't get there, but that's very clearly what the conversation is. <laughs> that seems like what they're going for, yeah. Did anyone pick up on the music they were listening to? Uh, first of all, it goes, nothing's ever felt like this. And it's like, this is how a bad lesbian hitchhiker movie starts, too. Exactly. Hey, hey, there is no bad lesbian hitchhiker movie, okay? Uh, exactly. That, that. Fair enough. But then it goes, then we kissed and nothing ever felt like this. I'm like, come on, it's lesbian hitchhiker. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quit teasing me. Now, look, I'm no film pro, but I'm pretty sure that the music in your scene shouldn't be louder and more continuous <sighs> than the dialogue. I, yeah, right. The, the miking in this fucking movie is insane throughout. There's constantly, like, thunder that's only put in one of the stereo sides or something, <laughs> and the fucking, the voices will all be different levels. The music is drowning out. The, it's terrible again that's the podcaster in me coming out but that drove me fucking nuts throughout um, i have a question for brian uh just for a second uh hey brian are we supposed to record uh the music directly from the car stereo while they're talking <laughs> absolutely yep, absolutely that's the best way to do it fuck you <laughs> okay, they, they pass by an abandoned trailer that says last chance diner and she's like hey you want to stop and eat this at this abandoned trailer and the, the girl's like no i'm good and and we're supposed to have a like ah oh, the last yeah 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 right that was your last chance yeah, the last chance diner nothing says comfort food like the threat of last resort <laughs> right 
So, okay, so now we, we cut back to Sting, who has come across a roadblock uh, on this dark and stormy night, and he is quite inconvenienced by this creepy fucking cop that tells him to turn back. Oh, my God, Officer, it's The Undertaker. It is. It is oh, The is that- Undertaker. Oh, right on. And, and The Undertaker made a really strong choice here, which is, I'm still going to play the fucking Undertaker. I don't care that I'm still wearing makeup. I don't care that I'm not wearing the wig. I'm going to do the exact same thing and react in the exact same manner that I react to Sting when we wrestle each other in the middle of a bunch of people who don't read well. Like, he was just, they were like, oh, no, you, you're not The Undertaker. And he was like, yeah, come on with me. And they were like, no, literally anything but that. You're a cop. Yeah, and I feel, and Noah, I feel like I should explain a little bit of this to you since you don't watch wrestling. Uh, Sting, if you don't know, went from being like a beach surfer type dude in face paint to dressing like Eric Draven and hitting people with a bat while hanging out in the rafters. So it was from 80s high school outcast stereotype to 90s outcast stereotype in high school. (laughs) It'd be like if Bender put on black eyeliner and listened to Panic at the Disco or something. And not that I know what that's like or anything (laughs) i was gonna say sting followed my journey (laughs) and for those who need to be caught up uh the undertaker is an undead witch who eats children we're pretty (laughs) sure or has something to do with demon children he's good at wrestling all you need he's good (laughs) yeah that's he also tried to sacrifice the boss's daughter on a fucking crucifix once and somehow he still has a job just saying he did you know, they have I, very I, similar policies to what we have here at God Awful Movies. So they they're whiteboard is about the same. I was just right. Actually, I paused to write that down on the uh, Get on the whiteboard. Me. Look at my butthole. Yeah. Get off me. Stop trying to sacrifice me. <laughs> so, so, okay. So now all of these uh, cars of people that we just met are going to like show up all at this same roadblock now. Um, and so, you know, next the, the, uh, black couple shows up and the cop walks up to them and I'm thinking to myself, I'm a black couple and, uh, there's a cop with a shotgun and it's the middle of nowhere. I'm getting the fuck out of there. <laughs> it's exactly what I wrote. I wrote, dude, if you're a black guy and a trooper with a shotgun on his shoulder comes to his <laughs> car, you accelerate. Take the yeah. sentence. <laughs> right. Yeah, at least it won't be permanent. Um, and I love this too, because, okay, so apparently everyone's uh, reaction to the road is out and it's about to storm, you guys need to turn around, is to stop their cars and all step out and talk amongst each other or whatever. Um, and this is where we get my favorite non-black name in the history of <laughs> Christian movies. They turn to Sting and, and one guy goes, oh my God, aren't you Crusher Crochetti? <laughs> Someone wrote those <laughs> words down. Cr- Crusher? His name's Crusher. Okay, because he's a football player. What's his last name? Crusher? 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 Shreddy. Crusherini. I would love to see the rejected names on this one. Yeah. There was a whiteboard covered in X's. Crushito. Crusherini. Crusher. They probably just fact, fact stem the uh, names that Stone Cold Steve Austin rejected back in 1996, like Otto Von Ruthless and Ice Dagger and Fang McFrost, you know, because they were more dignified than Crusher Crochetti. <laughs> I like Fang McFrost. I might just change my <laughs> name now. Um, and of course, nobody's cell phone works because this is a horror movie opening. Um, and this is also like because uh, uh, Anita Sarkeesian shows up with the 
hitchhiker girl and then everybody's like oh yeah i didn't pick you up i sure meant meant to but again she's so accusatory here he's like does anyone's cell phone work she's like no mine broke when you killed me with your car and he's like okay you jumped out (laughs) in front of my car and then the black guy super nicely is like hey sorry we didn't pick you up we weren't sure and she's like fuck you coon and he's like no all right unpleasant Well, here's her actual line. She says, don't worry, I had hours before I died of exposure. Exposure? That's the actual line. It's like 78 degrees outside. Yeah, right. (laughs) Nobody's even wearing a jacket for fuck's sake. (laughs) Yeah, right. And I wanted so bad for Sting to go, yeah, sorry I picked you up and dropped you off in the middle of the road. Oh, wait, you did that to yourself? (laughs) Then go fuck yourself, right? (laughs) Oh, I'm super sorry I made you hitchhike out here in the middle of nowhere because that's me. That's on me. It's my fault. Uh, yeah. yeah, right. So, and of course, nobody's cell phone works. So uh, uh, Anita Sarkeesian says, oh, hey, why don't we go back to that diner I saw? Maybe they have a phone. And and uh, somebody goes, wait, there's no diner back there. There used to be a diner. And then there's like an ominous thunderclap or whatever. That diner was built up on the top of an old Indian burial ground. Don't go up that So, yeah, so everybody goes back to the mysterious diner and the cop, the undertaker, as they're driving off, he says to himself, because they're all too far away, he says, tell the guy at the diner that Officer DeVille sent you. And I wrote, get it, guys? DeVille, devil, it's clever. But he does, it does linger long enough for him to give this like asthmatic evil cackle that sounds like he's trying to blow a New Year's noisemaker through his tracheal ring. I, I just, I could listen to that cackle for the rest of my life. That's going to be my ringtone now. Wait a minute, you guys. You, you mean to tell me that wasn't a 101 Dalmatians reference? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, in the next scene, he's just wearing a beautiful mink coat when he walks in. (laughs) So, (laughs) this is my wife, Cruella. (laughs) Um, So, everybody shows up. Now, everybody goes back. They show up at the mysterious diner, and the diner's all lit up, but there's nobody there to seat them at first. And then, and then Jesus appears. Now, I'm a fan of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And there is no way to look at this human being and not see Charlie Day if you're familiar with his work. Yeah, it's really, really hard not to see Charlie Day. And we should point out that this is where this guy, Anthony Marscapone Cheese or whatever his name is, first gets introduced as Jesus. And apparently he crushed it so hard in this movie that they were like, yeah. He'll be Jesus slash God forever. And he's Jesus slash God in movies we've already watched. He's Jesus Mm -hmm. slash God in movies we haven't watched yet. He's Jesus slash God in a TV show, which has continued based on this concept. Yeah, and I also feel like we should note that the music uh, has gone now from classical to weird lesbian hinting pop music. And now the music note is we just took a left turn into deliverance. What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it goes awful country, awful quick. So they all come into the diner. His name tag, by the way, says Jesus. So we're not going for subtle. We're not even trying for subtle um, because he will eventually, of course, be Jesus. Um, And the 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 hitchhiker girl asked for coffee. He says, no, all I serve is water. This will come up again and again. And I don't know why. Do Do Christians have an anti coffee thing? No, I mean, I, I know the Mormons do. And I don't remember a part of the Bible where Jesus, where people were like, oh man, Jesus, can we get some coffee? And Jesus was like, no, six to eight <laughs> glasses a day. Like, I don't know what this is. It's, 
it only opens up this movie's favorite activity, which is weird I am God-based puns. Because he's like, sorry, all I've got is water. It's my own recipe. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to give everyone a hint here. If someone says it's my own recipe and they're not an adorable old lady, they came in that thing. They yeah, came right. in that thing and they want you to drink their cum now. And maybe you're into that, consenting adults. But just so you know, it never means anything but that unless they're trying to win a prize at a county fair. And what, and what doesn't help it is the fact that he says the dialogue exactly like he came in it. Like, yes. it's my own recipe. Why don't you try it? Uh, Eli's right. Eli's right. Yeah. 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 That, that water had come in it. Um, and now, so, and, and, and really it's so bizarre because like the girl drinks the water and she goes, wow, that's really good water. What a dumb fucking thing to say. But I guess that's just to open them up for that great pun. Um, and of fair, course, this she is- came from Flint. So. <laughs> <laughs> That explains a lot, actually. Um, so, and of course, this is the point where everyone in the diner suddenly recognizes the famous football player Crusher Crescetti, uh, who also apparently owns a, a burger franchise, which is going to be pivotal to this story, I guess. Yeah, he, he gives he gives them coupons for Crusher burger meals, and all I could think, you know, again, wrestling joke. Uh, Sting didn't get to the WWE till he was in his 50s, so all I could say was Crusher burger meals, finally getting to WrestleMania after 20 years just to lose to Triple H. I'm going to pretend I get that. It's, it's, um, it's so- funny, trust me. The, the wrestling fans are <laughs> laughing their ass Three laughing. wrestling fans the one episode where the helpful skeptic won't be mad at us because all the wrestling things will be on point. I'm I'm sure that he'll still find something to complain about about the wrestling. Um, and of course, and this is again just to reinforce how badly written this this wife character is. Crusher gives Hank the 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 husband a couple of free burger coupons, and she is very clearly pissed about that. She's livid. She is livid. I have hired prostitutes in front of my wife, with her being less angry <laughs> than this woman is angry about receiving free burger coupons. Yes, she speaks like someone who is written by someone who has never spoken to a woman. Uh, it's the type, you know, the MRA types who have only heard a woman's voice by talking to another man using a falsetto imitating the dialogue. <laughs> Like, oh, geez, then maybe we should get some free salad. Whatever, bitch. Moving on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I was expecting at any point for her to say, I have a vagina. (laughs) At any point, her dialogue could have been, and then she's all, oh, wait, no, I'm not supposed to say that. (laughs) I'm like so on my period right now, guys. Jesus. So, and then, of course, the bitchy wife bitchily demands menus. And again, this is not, like, the movie presents it at, like, look at this horrible person. But, like, she's at a diner and she just asked for a menu, right? That's that's not, like, a bitchy thing to do. But this movie would have you think it is. Well, because he goes, like, so, would you like menus or would you like the special? And she's like, no, I'd, I'd like to see a menu, like a person with dignity <laughs> instead of the weird guessing game which is what you're trying to hint at which no one's ever done at a restaurant ever (laughs) and he's like oh okay i'll go get you some menus and then he turns to hank and he goes hank would you like a menu too or is your wife just going to order for you by yelling at you (laughs) she makes the fashion club from daria seem subtle and uh also (laughs) technical difficulty uh my video cut back to the first scene and even jesus doesn't want me to watch this movie this happened like five times (laughs) Oh, shit. Yeah, no, if I was Jesus, I'd want to, like, stop people from seeing his shit, though. So, <laughs> right. But then fair. Hank goes, uh, how did he know my name? And her answer is, shut the fuck up, Hank. I hate you. <laughs> Hank is 
to his wife, the shut the fuck up Tina. Like she's playing that <laughs> game, but she's in the movie. <laughs> Right. And I, I love that because you already know, because we've watched plenty of Christian movies, we already know that the point in this movie is going to be that this couple should not get divorced, right? Mm-hmm. Like you already know. And then like any human being looking at these people would be like, boy, could they be happier with other people or alone? But in this stupid fucking movie, the point is that they need to save that marriage. Yeah, this is the, this is the scene in the rom-com generally where they look at it and go, Oh my God, she's such a bitch. I can't wait for her to meet the good homely Reese Witherspoon girl. <laughs> right. So now Jesus returns to the counter so he can ask uh, the Asian girl and the runaway for their orders. Um, but first they have to sit through pretentious pseudo wisdom because he's Jesus. I didn't realize Jesus clicked his mouth that much when he spoke. Just like every word. Gee, Jesus, see a speech therapist. Come on, you've had two two thousand years. Yeah, the wettest and creepiest and rapiest of dialogues. <laughs> it is so fucking weird. Like at one point, he even says to the Asian or the Asian girl, he goes, "Your mother loves you very much." I'm like, that is a damn creepy thing for a random guy at the diner to say, right? Yeah, that should follow asking someone to put lotion in the basket. That is not customer service. I thought they were roasting my OK Cupid messages. I mean, as a trans woman uh, in the city, uh, you know, I, I really thought this uh, they were going to show that that was a source. I, I honestly like because he, he's suggesting food to them, and I wrote in my notes of like he's suggesting food, like some creepy Lothario trying to flip a found purse into a blowjob. Wow, if you could only do something for me for this purse that I found of yours, that's like that's his whole character, though. Right. And, and what we're supposed to learn in this scene is like he's Jesus. So he knows their favorite food and their favorite foods are so fucking depressing. Right. <laughs> right. You can have anything in the world. And he's like, I know what you want. Steak tips and a green salad. And you want a burrito. And I was like, oh, adorable. <laughs> <laughs> Look on your finger. Is that a ring from Zales? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus would be looking at me going like, oh, fuck, pot brownies, dude. Come on, I'm Jesus. I think this guy did his uh, acting, you know, his method acting Daniel Day-Lewis by hanging out with John Edward for a month, you know, just going around like, <laughs> I'm getting an M for your mother's name. Is, is it Mary? Is it Mary? This guy already seems like the biggest douche in the universe. Oh, th this movie is so lubing its audience up for cold readers without realizing it. Like anybody who watched this movie and was convinced like Eli could get their entire like life savings out of them in three hours. Oh, I can convince anyone who enjoys this movie that I am Christ of Nazareth. I, that is a <laughs> oh, yeah. If you have a fa look, I know a lot of people write us sometimes and they're like, oh, man, this movie tortured me as a kid or my aunt loves that movie. If you have family that loves this movie, tell me I will Skype into them and blow your fucking family's mind. <laughs> and then I'll tell them to just like write your brother out of the will or sacrifice a chicken. Let's have some fun with it. Come on. <laughs> Don't tell Andrew. <laughs> New Patreon goals. Um, and also, this is a really weird moment, and I have to bring it up, because, like, you know, he's like, oh, I'll give you all your food for free. And Sting goes, that's weird. Uh, if it's free, it's not worth having. But then he picks up the newspaper, and he's like, oh, I see what your scam is. You give away free food, but you save the cost by having a 50-year-old newspaper. <laughs> like, really? Do it? Would that work? As a, you're a restaurant owner, you fucking idiot. <laughs> Do you really uh, think that that would balance out? Restaurant overhead versus food overhead is pretty high, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> also, and the newspaper costs are what really gets them. Also, let's talk about how insane this moment is and how very clearly in a horror movie this is. He goes, uh, an old newspaper. This is from the owner. He, he died 50 years ago. And he's like, yes, I still keep it there right where he was. 
And that's when everyone should be like, ooh, I'm right, getting late. Ooh, keeping the belongings of a dead man right where he died. Well, would you look at that? I'm not wearing a watch, but I'm looking at my wrist. <laughs> also, this is so fucking weird because he goes, Jesus t- turns to everybody and he goes, do you guys know what the most popular section in the newspaper is? And everybody's like, the obituaries? He's like, yes, exactly. It's the obituary. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Why the fuck do people read the obituaries recreationally? I had to look it up, by the way. The, the, the obituaries don't make the top 20. The, the most popular part of a newspaper is the editorials and then the TV listings and then the travel section, for fuck's sake. But it, it, for whatever reason, they felt that was necessary dialogue to sneak in there. They want to make sure they didn't die. You know, just, I don't know. I won't know if I, unless I see it here. How will I ever find out? I, yeah, right. How do I know I'm still alive? He's <laughs> <laughs> just checking for himself. Guys, I made it. I made it this week. <laughs> so, but also it's, it's this very weird, creepy threat too, right? Cause he's, he, cause like very clearly Sting is reading the obituaries and he goes, yeah, the, the guy who owned this place was reading those obituaries, the same obituaries and then died the next day. Like, why would you tell someone that? Well, right. If you be, weren't planning on killing them. To be fair, uh, Sting's former tag team partner, the ultimate warrior, uh, went on wrestling television about a year, two years ago and talked about a man's last heart beating and his reputation and what it would be if people loved him and he died the next day. So I think he was just really trying to get in on that. Oh, you think you were doing oh, like I a raw you. deep cut? Yeah. Well, deep. now here's the fucked up thing. Here's the fucked up thing. This movie came out in 2010. I know. So Foresight. They, yeah, they must have killed that dude, that ultimate warrior dude, just to like, you know, up the... uh up the revenues on the flick. And also, of course, this is where he has to suggest, like, to Sting what his favorite food is. And he says, you want a porterhouse steak and a piece of cherry pie straight from the windowsill, which would mean wet because it's raining outside. (laughs) Right. You want wet pie? (laughs) He means hot and fresh, but because Jesus only can speak in, like, weird winky grandmas here to love you and (laughs) give you the kisses you always remembered, like, vagaries, He when he says windowsill, you literally see a cut to outside where it's raining. So it's very clear. Like, yeah. Noah's not exaggerating. It's very clear, like, fresh from the windowsill, boom, rain hitting on the window. And Sting looks at him like, that would that would be soup. And he's like, I didn't think through anything I said. I'm going to murder you? Now, I know you guys have music notes. I don't know if you have cinematography notes, but I'm going to make one. Who decided on these camera angles? Someone who directed a lot of creepy Smashing Pumpkins videos from the 90s or something? <laughs> like, everything is shot like a security camera up in the corner. Right. And then it's super <laughs> close up. It's like, you're not helping this not be Silent Hill, guys. No, they were. it, it honestly felt at, at certain points like they were just finding something they could set the camera on, right? Like, if we set out this table and put two books under it, you know, you can see everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, Come on, guys. It, don't it, walk too hard or you're going to knock down the camera. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> soft steps, guys. Soft steps. We spent all the money on Sting. We can't afford a tripod. <laughs> so now, of course, Jesus goes over to take uh, the order from the husband and the bitchy wife. And he has to tell both of them that they can fuck off with their satanic diet Coke bullshit. Because okay. he only does water. But in his defense, he turns to her and she's like, what would you like? And she's like, I'd like a Diet Coke. And he's like, 
oh, we only have water. And she's like, fine, I'll have a water. And then he turns to Hank and Hank's like, can I have a Diet Coke? And he's like, no, man, I just fucking told your wife all I have is water. Were you here? This is why she hates you, Hank. This is why she hates you. How long have you been married? Also, and, and, and then again, just to reinforce what a bitch she was, he, uh, Hank orders a burger and, uh, Jesus goes, would you like fries with that? And that apparently is a marital issue. She looks at him like, you're going to order the fucking fries, aren't you, you son of a bitch? <laughs> I mean, what? I, I can sort of relate because whenever I order at a restaurant, my wife has the 30 to 45 minutes it takes for me to ask a waiter whether or not their <laughs> diet coke is vegan and that I need it run through a special, <laughs> you know, macaroni press. But so I, I, I related to this pretty, pretty obviously. Sometimes your wife does hate you based on how you order food. That's all I'm saying. I got it. And we, we, we've already mentioned this, but we have to ask, why can Jesus get literally any food you want, but you can't drink anything but water? I mean, uh, oranges, like, can oranges not be ground into juice? Yeah. And right. make, you know, is that uh, satanic all of a sudden? He cannot get you anything but water, you juice drinking son and, of a bitch. And, yeah, well, that's the thing, too. Like, like, I mean, I'd understand it if everybody was like, you know, I want a beer. I want a shot of absinthe or whatever. But they're like, you know, no orange juice. I guess aspartame is the make of the devil. You know what it was? <laughs> Heath and Noah visited the diner right before this movie happened. And after all the after six lines of Coke and all the <laughs> Jägermeister that Heath requested, he was like, that's it. From now on, only water and food. <laughs> Well, he did offer us free, uh, free everything if we took the special. So what the hell are we gonna do? So yeah, and then of course, like Hank has to ask, he's like, "Hey man, how do you know our names?" And he goes, "I'm Jesus. I know everything." And I'm like, "Wow, we're not even gonna hint around or anything, are we? Just nope. coming right out and saying it five minutes in." He says, "Quote." I've known you since before you were born, at which point all of our notes simultaneously turn into run, people, motherfuckers, you need to run. <laughs> he could be quoting uh, I'll be watching you by the police and it would still be less creepy than what he's saying. Oh, right. The stalkers <laughs> anthem there. Yeah. And of course, the bitchy wife has the only sane response in the room when this creepy dude identifies himself as Christ of Nazareth. She's like, I gotta go. I don't care that it's fucking raining. And of course, and then Sting is like, hey, you know, you're kind of hot. Looks like you're on the outs with your husband. I'll take you. She likes the white um, chocolate. Apparently. And this reverse cuck porn is upsetting. Because <laughs> she's like, yeah, I'll go with you, Sting. I'll go with you all night long. And Hank's like, but wait, what if you stayed back here at the diner with me, though? And she's like, shut the fuck up, Hank. And they walk out and he turns to me and he goes, thanks a lot, Jesus. My wife just left me. Well, he, to he totally does, too. He's like, he starts blaming his failed marriage on, like, the last person that spoke with her before she left. Who will what? unlock my penis now, Jesus? She has the keys. It's my birthday. So... So we head outside where uh, Sting and the bitchy wife are chatting before pulling out uh, <laughs> of the parking lot, I mean. Mm. Um, but damn it if his car won't start. So right. they can't go. Right. Yeah. And she, again, reacts to this moment as she reacts to everything in the movie with with white hot <laughs> hatred. She's yes. like, oh, a car won't start. And she's like, seriously? You fucking broke the car? And he's like, no, the car <laughs> is broken. And she's like, I'm a bitch. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's a late model luxury sedan, and it works about as well as the Mercedes in the Christmas Shoes Hallmark movie. It's like, hey, if they ever think of buying American, it's a freaking luxury sedan, you know? Yeah, right, and that's the thing, too. Like, I mean, it's not 1970 fucking four. How often do you go out in your car? Anyway, um, but yeah, so we go back into the diner, and Kayla, the hitchhiker, she's not really sure this that, that this dude is Jesus, so he shows her his uh, Jesus Christ driver's license? He really wants to get into rumors tonight. He gets bottle service. <laughs> what was that? That was the crazy. Was that supposed to be comedy? I have a feeling I, that I, was supposed to be comedy, except it was played in stony Wes Anderson fucking silence. Well, right. Right. Yeah, exactly. I wanted him to, you know, zoom in on it. Could have been funny. You know, 1225-0000 is the birthday. That would have been funny. Sure. But no. Yeah, I think that I think they saw the uh, super bad McLovin meme, but didn't see the movie. So they're like, ah, fake ID. It's hilarious, right? <laughs> and then Jesus goes all Miss Cleo. All right. So, again, he's he's still convincing people that he is the son of God and omniscient. But um, but he says, like, uh, well, for example, I know that Melissa's about to uh, go drive to see her boyfriend and she's hoping he'll propose. But and he will. But don't marry him. And I'm like, that's that's Miss Cleo. That's not that's not Jesus anymore, right? right? Exactly. Sometimes you like to be around people, but sometimes you like to be alone. Mm-hmm. Pick a card. <laughs> I, if any moment Jesus was going to have people pick a card in this movie, I was really waiting for it. Yeah, and he, yeah. Uh, the, he also says, "You're a woman. You're precious. Like, yeah, make sh- just make sure you don't want rights or bodily autonomy. You're, yeah, you're right, precious, right. like a silent possession. How cute, <laughs> like a chocolate diamond from Zales. You get it. <laughs> you were given the choice of any food in the world, and you asked for steak tips. You probably think a diamond from Zales is precious. <laughs> don't use the thinky parts, honey. That's just for men." Right. Well, and then as if that wasn't an unimpressive enough trick, then Hank comes up and says, well, what do you know about me, Jesus? To which he says, I know that your wife no longer wants to be your wife. I'm like, well, congrats, you fucked hard. Everyone in this diner, the goddamn cop that turned him around probably figured that out. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone who's ever seen them together has figured that out. And then we have this weird moment where he's like, I mean, if you want me to save your marriage, just say, Jesus, please save my marriage. And he's like, I mean, can't, can't you just, and he's like, no, 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 you gotta actually like say it. He's gonna say, Jesus, please save my marriage. And he's like, uh, um, J- Jesus, please save my marriage. And he's like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. First, first of all, why would he want that marriage saved? He's obviously right. suffering from years of emotional and verbal abuse. The only smart thing she's done is leave. And you know, an- another thing, the guy kind of accepted that whole Jesus is at a diner thing pretty easily. Most people would have questions or something like, why? Why does Jesus look like the bad actor from Wayne's World? Is Charlton Heston going to come in and stand in for him any second now? <laughs> well, yeah, and, and again, like it comes back to that over and over again in this mar- in this movie. The fact that it is a marriage means it needs to be saved. It doesn't matter how unhappy the people are. Um, and then we cut back outside where apparently Sting has just been trying to turn the car over for about eight and a half minutes, and okay. now he's finally giving up. Okay, but to be fair, Sting has actually been trying to find his way out of that car frame, and as he's like, right, the handles, handles are on the top, right? I push, push, push. 
trapped inside. Yeah, but eventually, I guess he 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 makes his way back out. So he's like, oh, well, I guess we'll have to go back inside. And the bitchy wife is like, I'm not going back in there. To which he says, well, the guy may be crazy, but he's probably harmless. Like, I would not. I mean, I would think harmful before I think crazy. Right. Someone who thinks they're Christ of Nazareth probably isn't totally harmless, right? <laughs> what if he thinks you're an olive tree when you walk back in? Yeah. <laughs> so they go back inside, um, and, uh, and, and of course, like, and over and over again, this is gonna happen in the movie, but Jesus has to tell Sting all about how, like, he can offer him greater treasures than all the money and wealth that he's accumulated through his burger business or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, the last time Sting heard an offer like this, it was Dixie Carter convincing him that she'd be as good as Ted Turner, like open checkbook. And that's another wrestling reference that that one guy you mentioned is loving right now. <laughs> Narrow casting. It's good. It's good. Exactly. I just wrote at this point, I'm like, wow, this movie has all the subtlety of a dick in a salad. <laughs> and now I guess, you know, despite Sting's car not working, bitchy wife still hasn't forgiven Hank. Uh, so he explains that Jesus can save their marriage. And she hates him. <laughs> oh, yes. And how after all of this, all the times that she's been just berating him, he looks happy to see her like, oh, you came back. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's again. I, I, she's yeah. got the key to his dick box. <laughs> it's the yes. only thing I could assume. And now we get what is very obviously the most blatant magic trick of this, which is that Anita Sarkeesian, of course, has eaten all the bread. And looking at her face, let's get real. She probably eats a lot of bread. And she's like, uh, "We're all out of bread. Can we get some more bread?" And he's like, "Check the basket." And she's like, "Oh my God, David Blaine, can't stop putting stuff on our bodies." <laughs> I'm the face. Your weapons have no effect on me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and and but that is all it fucking takes. Because at that point, Melissa has to take Kayla to the ladies' room. So I I thought they could sneak out the fucking window and call the police. But no, it's so they can discuss if they think maybe he's really Jesus. Yeah, over bread. And then Sting gets the joke of the movie where he's like, "Oh, what are you gonna do next? Turn water into wine?" It's like, "Yay, a joke! You tried." <laughs> That's the closest we'll ever come to humor in this film. Yeah. <laughs> so then we cut to the ladies' room where these two are still not having lesbian sex. Right, and Fuck they are movie. they are rocked to their very core by there being more <laughs> bread in a bread basket. And again, I'm just saying, if you have family that likes this movie, I will fucking destroy your inheritance. Just give me one Skype <laughs> call with them. I love, there's this bizarrely amazing line too, because like, Melissa's like, didn't that freak you out with the bread? And Kayla's like, you you haven't been to some of the places I've been. But was she a it's, nom what the or fuck something? Does that, well, just, right, like, oh, I'm from the fucking side of the tracks where they regenerate bag Yes, lady. What the fuck was that even supposed to mean? You have been in the places like I've been, like Monday Night Magic. What? <laughs> exactly. And that's that is exactly like the inf inference. There is like, oh, I've seen some hardcore fucking magic. The truth is, this girl is like a victim of abuse and incest, which, by the way, does not teach you how <laughs> how magic works. Like, are we supposed to think the stepfather that raped her was also like? By the way, if you put a second napkin on top of the original bread and <laughs> you flip them both back. I'm going to molest you some more now. But now you know a magic trick, so square <laughs> Oh, yeah, but no, but they, but, but Melissa, the, the Asian chick, is convinced this really is Jesus. 
And and she wants to leave, I guess. But the but the runaway girl isn't going anywhere. Apparently, she's holding off for linking rings. I guess. <laughs> He come out and he's just got like black girl in a box and he's like, oh, crazy billionaire remake. He just gets more and more magiciany until at the end he's just like doves. And they're like, dude, you're not mad. You're not Jesus. Sorry. You? You're just like a, a bad roadside magician. And he's like, twenty five dollars. <laughs> so we head out back into the dining area and I should point out like this is the scene, right? There aren't multiple scenes or sets. It's just going to be this one scene till the movie's over. So, so uh, apologies in advance if you're expecting some changes of scenery. Um, so we head back out to the dining area where Sting is now looking out the window and quoting the Bible verbatim. Yep. Yep. Even though he doesn't believe in God. Right. Right. Yeah. Now I love this part so much too, because Jesus is like, "Mm, that's one of my favorite parts of the Bible. I'm a real big fan of that book. And I'm like, Jesus being a fan of the Bible is like me being a fan of god-awful movies, isn't it? <laughs> like if somebody come up to me and say, oh, I love your work. And I said, yeah, me too. Me that too. would be a dick move, right? What's your favorite episode? I'll tell you my favorite episode. And then let's listen to it together. <laughs> you must listen to my podcast. <laughs> or I'll burn you in hell. Right. Um, yeah. And of course, he has to tell Sting about how awesome his parents were and how hot his granny was or whatever. Uh, yes. He's very clearly trying to start a fight with Sting here, right? Where it's like, oh, I loved your grandma all night long. Oh, shit. But apparently Jesus is only here at this diner because Sting's grandma prayed for Jesus to turn him around and turn him you know, towards the Lord or whatever. And I also got to point out that he's using the Bible, first of all, to quote it because of the bad weather. He's like, scattered showers are bullshit, man. What the hell? Yeah. Yeah, your Bible didn't say anything about the fact that it was going to be raining tonight, did it? No. Right. That's a, <laughs> apparently his counter-apologetic. Right, and the challenge he poses, he's like, don't you see? I saved your life because you all would have died in the rain. And he's like, yeah, but why did you do the rain in the first place? He's like, oh, um, because of these keys and the way they jingle. Yeah, right, Sting, and, and this happens over and over again in the movie, but Sting points out, look, you don't get credit for stopping a rape if you were going to be the rapist. Right. That doesn't fucking count. And over and over again in this movie, he'll make Jesus will make some point And then like they'll make like this very valid uh, counter argument. And Jesus is like, yeah, let me go get I'm going to go in the back. I'll, I'll um, yeah, see you. Right. Um, uh, OK, but what if the rape that I let happen was going to build your character? Jesus we actually get there and you know what for just a second I actually thought this movie was had like a a clever layer underneath it because what I assumed at this point was oh they all died in the flood right the the road washed Mm, out and killed all of them Yeah, and then this is like limbo or whatever, where they decide whether they go to. And I thought, you know, that is actually kind of clever, and a good filmmaker actually could have done something with that. Spoiler alert: that's not where we're going. There is nothing clever about this movie. No, right. more that he states that he actually took advantage of the storm, and uh, he he pretty much says straight out, Christianity wants to take advantage of the weak-willed followers. He said it himself. Yes. Yeah, over and over again, he'll admit what a terrible fucking person he is. Yeah, but uh, but of course, before we can get to that, we have to go back to bitchy wife and shit um, so that she can ask Jesus to tell her something about herself that only she would know. I right. wanted it so bad to be a venereal disease. Yeah, and again, oh, that bitch face Raven Simone is right. It makes more sense that in Jesus, I told you to pick her up so that you wouldn't so someone else would because I knew it would happen 
And you they don't didn't seem to know how that works, do they? No, it, Omniscience is really like a tough one for them. It reminds me of the Duke in uh, Measure for Measure, which is a Shakespeare play, just trying to pretend that he had all this shit planned the whole time. And I just realized I compared a David R. White movie to Shakespeare. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. I can picture David R. White monologuing like Angelo about whether or not he should rape his co-actresses. I get it. I get it. <laughs> Oh my god, someone got that reference. That just made my hair. <laughs> See, Dad? It all was going to work out after all. I told you. I told you it was worth every penny. <laughs> so, and of course, at this point, like, um, Jesus accuses the bitchy wife of not being a true Christian, and she's quite pissed about that one. Right. She explains that she teaches Sunday school and he's like yeah but if you had this is exact quote look if you had half the faith of one of those kids you'd be so much better off and it's like oh so she'd be way better off if she had half the faith of a child who can't tell reality from fiction well right right exactly and and completely without realizing the irony there and she and I love this too because she like starts storming she's storming off to the bathroom but for just a second it looks like she's about to walk up and slap Jesus oh yeah I really wanted that I well, thought we were getting a Springer-type brawl and Sting. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Sting well, would get involved. She storms off, and he turns to Hank, and he goes, Hank, she's just going to the ladies' room. And I wanted him so badly to be like, it's a number two. Yeah, and <laughs> I think he accused Jesus of going to the ladies' room to make an anti-target statement. Sting doesn't want you in the ladies' room, trans people, so there. Oh, it's amazing. He goes, uh, hey, if you can see everything, doesn't that mean that you're in the ladies' room? And he's like, hey. That's not fucking funny, okay? That was a misunderstanding. A mis- I got my dick out because I was going to use the bathroom, and then I was already hard because I was thinking about my wife, who I love very much, and all the. And then I just I was trying to put it back in, but I, I but I have a muscle twitch thing. Anyways, people can nobody. read the court documents Andrew filed for me. Yeah, I was going to say, you you really seem to have that at the ready, didn't you? And so, And then, of course, I guess uh, uh, Anita Sarkeesian comes back to, to talk to her because it's a ladies' room and they're women, I guess. I don't know. So, and also, I want to point this out. Okay, so just in case, every, every, just to make sure everybody remembers, it has been 20 minutes in the movie since everybody ordered food and they don't even have fucking salads yet. My Yelp review of this movie will not be kind. <laughs> and I, I also feel like we should point out that this is where Jesus shifts from horror movie villain to like bad abusive husband and any other yes. normal movie where he's like, I did give you a lot to think about, didn't I? And I'm like, this sounds too much like an abuser, you know, trying to convince his wife to accept it, that it won't ever happen again. It was absolutely freaky and it gets worse and worse throughout the movie. like from this point on he will become more and more abusive husband but yeah. in the same weird whispery smiley tone of voice which makes it even creepier <laughs> right like if he were drunk and screaming this at a woman with a black eye in front of the panthers game you'd be like all right i get it it's the <laughs> fact that he's smiling at you from behind his mickey mouse mask <laughs> that makes it so fucking terrifying <laughs> Yeah, and then and then she starts buying into it all of a sudden she's been nothing but be super bitch for the whole movie but now it's like he can fix what's wrong with my marriage the running theme in this movie is that marriage is more important than the mental and physical well-being of the people involved well right like like eli said this a number of times before all christian movies treat marriages as though they were babies mm-hmm. right? right like we have to save the marriage that is the most important thing um and and right like like because uh, uh melissa is saying like well do you 
really think he's Jesus? And the, and, the, and uh, Catherine's going like, well, he did find my card. And I mean, I saw him shuffle. So there's only really one explanation. There's this incredible moment where the actress goes, I don't even know who I am anymore. And I go, and I wrote in my notes, that's okay. I don't know which black actress you are either. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess now it's time for Hank and Sting to have a one-on-one. And I wrote in my notes, holy fuck, there's still an hour. How is this not the wrap-up? Um, but, he, you know, like, and and um, I love this conversation the two of them have, too, because he's like, well, you know, Sting's like, well, do you think that guy's Jesus? He says, well, he says he's Jesus, and I've seen no evidence of him being crazy. I'm like, clause A of that sentence. <laughs> yeah, Hank is he only an evidence-based believer. <laughs> Uh, right, right. And again, Sting continues to reverse cuck him. He goes, yeah, I mean, because uh, Jesus comes out and he's like, oh, money's not everything. He goes, yeah, no, there's a lot more to life than money. Like, family, huh? How's that going for you, Hank? How's that fucking uh, family thing working out? Huh? Yeah, and then uh, uh, Hitchhiker Girl says that she doesn't think Sting pointing out his verbal abuse is nice. Like, hey, it's okay that she's doing it, but how dare you? How dare you point out the thing that is obviously happening? Right, and this is... Oh, God, this movie took such a fucked up turn. This is when I realized that this was going to be a lot of fun. Because Sting basically says, man, you suck at Jesus thing. To which Jesus says, hey, man, I could have killed you in 1974 and I didn't, bitch. How about yeah. that? I and that's actually people, his message. Yeah, I hurt people so they'll thank me later. Jesus in this movie and Dungeon Masters. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, so he tells this story about, he's like, you remember that time you were going to jump off the cliff and dive into the water and you tripped over that rock at the last second and broke your hand? And he's like, yeah, he's like, if I hadn't put that rock in front of you, you know, you would have dove head first and broke your head. And he's like, couldn't you move the rock that I was going to break my head off of? Yeah, he's Fuck like, you, stop asking questions. Yeah, he's like, you know, Jesus put that stone in his path because Sting needed to remember having his life ruined. Like, they're pointing out that it's gone from psychotic to abuse, just like I am. If you stayed on the straight and narrow, you wouldn't make me hurt you all the time. Can't you see how I'm right about everything? Right. Why do you keep making me hurt you, Sting? Well, yeah. and then, and, and Kayla brings that, brings that up. He's like, well, couldn't you have just not broken his hand either? And he's like, hey, you know what? I could have killed you too, and I didn't. Right. just want to let you know. And Kayla, again, who we're going to learn is a rape victim, is like, yeah, there's lots of stuff it, I feel like you should be able to prevent. And he's like, I know you're talking about the rape thing. Like, he says you're talking about that thing that happened in L.A. Because we're all like, mm-hmm. boopy doop about it. But he, what he's saying is, oh, are you being a bitch about the whole me letting you get raped thing? And she's like, I don't want to talk about that, you evil, malevolent demon. And he's like, you're being kind of a downer. <laughs> that's their response now here's the fucking crazy thing sting because usually in these movies the atheist character gets good lines and then the god character goes like no stop stop though i want you to stop <laughs> and then it's over right for some reason the atheist is satisfied but sting doesn't drop it he goes what about the people who blow up abortion clinics and he's like i never told anyone specifically to blow up an abortion clinic end quote well, and, and but even but we have to take a stab at Muslims before that, right? Because he says, "Well, what about all the people who are going to blow themselves up in your name in the Middle East?" And and Jesus is like, "You're thinking of Muslims? Uh, that's not it's the other guys." And then he's like, "Oh, okay. What about abortion clinics?" And he's like, "Uh, not real Scotsmen 
even right. yeah, as it exactly. turns out. They basically do a fucking Tom Cruise, uh, Jack Nicholson moment. I wanted him to be like, you're goddamn right I ordered the, <laughs> you're goddamn right I ordered the code red. I can't allow sin to go unpunished and that's why I killed those babies. This movie. Okay. All right, yeah, so let's talk about that because this is the point where, again, like you said, most of these movies at that point, Sting would have been, oh, that's a good point, I guess. Um, but no, he says, all right, well, let's talk about all of them genocides you ordered in the Bible. And I'm like, wow, okay, let's talk about that. To which the Jesus character says, well, what? I was like, I'm going to let all those babies grow up and be sinners? Of course I genocided them. Have you ever like, met a Canaanite sting? Have you ever yes. met a Canaanite? They're gross. They're super pushy about their carpets and shit. It's gross. <laughs> yes. They literally admit that Jesus is arguing that the genocided people deserved it. Yeah, and he says, in response to ordering a genocide, I am love. So let's, what? let's make this specific here. Abortion clinics being broken up, you know, blown up, and genocidal apologetics, I am love. He says there isn't <laughs> one human being on this planet that's an accident right after he says he's in love in response to a genocide. Yes. Also, yeah. he's, he's after he says he's love, he goes, look, if... He says, you will only be as happy as much as you obey. Again, yes. if you obey me, I won't kill you. This movie. <laughs> over and over again. The, this is the exact quote, I think. The extent to which you experience joy is the extent to which you bend to my will. I believe that is an exact quote from this movie. If you don't own shark decons and you say that to people, you are doing something <laughs> wrong. <laughs> I just didn't realize that Jesus was so into S and M. I mean, I was getting a real uh, D slash S feeling from Sting and Jesus right there. <laughs> and again, if the movie had gone there, would have been a better movie. He also tells us that heaven is more than glory. I thought Tom and Cecil would uh, enjoy that one. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's a glory hole. <laughs> <laughs> that is heaven, though. That is heaven. Now, of course, Sting, though, is still giving him shit. So he's like, well, will I get into heaven? And he's like, eh, your choice. I mean, you know, you might decide all on your own that you want to burn for eternity in hell. Well, might I right. make that decision for you? Will we walk the streets of gold? No, Sting. You will never be world champion again. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa, why don't you tell everybody about the time you really super liked me? I feel like that's a great way for people to... That's what it is. It's like, why, why don't you tell everyone about the time you like me? And yeah. then in a Christian movie, again, just picture this. Picture the amount of self-dick-suck required. <laughs> right. In a Christian movie, the character describes that she was suicidal and at her lowest point, and then she went to a Christian movie festival, and the <laughs> Christian movie she watched was so amazing that it saved her life. Yep. And first of all, Christian movie festival, suicide, I'm picking the latter. But also, like, I half expected her at this point to go, and that movie was directed by this hot blonde dude named David A.R. something. I can't remember, but yes. Yeah, and and again, this is not the first time we've seen a David A.R. White movie where, he's, where like, the characters all stop to talk about how awesome Christian movies are yes, and how important is, it is that people make them. This has happened multiple times now. Again, the lady doth protest too much, and... There's also this incredible moment. It's just a tiny moment, but as she's describing how amazing the Christian movie is, she goes, oh, and it was so full. Like, the theory was packed. So full. And so David great. A. R. White has a large penis. Yeah. Way above average. And, you know, Eli and I have talked about this before. You know, people talking about rather go to Jesus than, you know, take their prescriptions, their life-saving yes. medicine. We 
are both on the same wavelength on that one. But, you know, only Christians who help people who who feel suicidal. Right, Eli? Right, atheists? That's the only people who help anyone who's suicidal. There was a guy named Pastor Carl. I'll call him Pastor Carl, who came to our school and told us that Penn had a suicide epidemic because we accepted trans people. And that's why we have a higher suicide rate. We have had... 13 people commit suicide at our school since 2013, and the reason is because we're all trans people, and we feel bad about it because we're ignoring God. Fuck you, Carl. Fuck you, movie. This is the bullshit you use to justify people not taking their goddamn depression pills because the only reason they're feeling suicidal is that they're not acknowledging the right guy at the fucking diner who knows your entire fucking life. Maybe trans people get suicidal more often than not because of people like you and Pastor Carl who think you know better than we do about who the fuck we are. Sorry. Well, right, right. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to tell you you're a piece of shit over and over again, and then when you kill yourself, I'm going to say, see, you're a piece of shit. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly the fucking argument. Now, what we need is to get Kelly Kohlberg over to Penn. I'll I'll see what I can do. I'll see what I can do. (laughs) She can take care of that My screenwriting professor's cousin is Kellyanne Conway, so we're close. Oh, God. I wish I was making that up. (laughs) No. All right. So and then, of course, all right. So we get to the end of this little suicide flashback from Melissa and, you know, Jesus wraps her story by telling, Okay, these are the words. Come into me, all you who are weary and burdened. That is an anal gangbang invitation, right? (laughs) It's like you guys are feeling bad. You want to take me in the ass? (laughs) I I wrote I wrote in my notes. Come on to me, all of you. The Eli Bosnick story. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Did you find that rest? Uh, you know, I got over being suicidal because I was only that way in the first place because of a stupid, stupid, meanie head boyfriend. Mental illness is stupid. Well, it, oh God. and now we learn why it is. Because remember earlier he was like, yeah, your boyfriend is going to propose to you. Uh, and I wrote and, and he goes, you can't. And so now we're learning like, oh, what are his magic predictions for her? Right. He's going all Miss Cleo. He goes, you can't mm-hmm. marry Paul. And I wrote again as a joke, as I have so many times in this <laughs> fucking thing. You can't marry Paul because he's Jewish. <laughs> and, and that actually, I mean, he doesn't say Jew, but he definitely turns out not to be a Christian. And well, yeah, that's he says why, not Christian. Right. And that's why he's, and that's why she's not allowed to marry Paul. Yeah. And I love the way he brings this up too, because he says, he says to her, he's like, there are times I'll ask you to do things you don't want to do. And she goes, like what? And I wanted him so bad to go like, have you ever heard of an Alabama hot pocket? <laughs> this is exactly where I wrote the things you're not going to want to do. Like anal. You'll get it. Yeah. <laughs> also, he then says, you have a very tender heart. And I wrote, you have a very tender heart. God in this movie and Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, it's just not my will for a couple to be unevenly matched. Yeah, he's a dirty atheist. So I broke you two up to make you want to kill yourself. You should be thanking me. You should be thanking yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. You can't have happiness if it inconveniences me, Jesus. And all I'm writing is these people are still waiting on their goddamn appetizers. <laughs> uh, you, you didn't point out the best line of the whole scene, which is it's more important that he loves oh, me more than he loves you. That is the actual fucking line. That's what he says. Uh, and look, hierarchical polyamory is such a drag. Am I right? People get it. <laughs> It's also very difficult to say. Um, But, of course, Sting somehow still isn't buying this. And 
I'm trying to puzzle out this human being that Sting is supposed to be representing here. And I'm using human being, obviously, in the largest umbrella sense of the term. Uh, but apparently, as near as I can tell, Sting's character now accepts that this guy is Jesus, but he's still being a dick. Right. You know, you know how atheists all secretly believe in God. We're just mad at him. That's what Sting's really representing here. Yeah. Gotcha. He, okay. He compares it to deal or no deal, and suddenly everybody's pissed off at Sting being cynical. Like, there was no preamble to that. All of a sudden, everybody's like, yeah, fuck you, Sting. Repent. Well, and also, okay, so, again, you don't have to point out how wrong you are in your own fucking movie. But he's like, you know, uh, Sting, I want you to see your grandma again. She's in heaven. You have to do what I say to get there. He's like, oh, you're blackmailing me. He's like, no, that's not blackmail. I'm like... You just said if you ever want to see your grandma again, you have to do what he said. That is exactly blackmail. Right. He goes, it's not blackmail. It's punishment if you don't do what I, oh my God, it's blackmail. <laughs> Why are they making Sting point out exactly what is wrong with everything he's saying? They they don't, as you guys what? often say, you're the movie. You don't have to give completely <laughs> rational responses. Also, super rapey moment here. He's like, so you're forcing. And he goes, I mean, I'm a gentleman. I would never force myself on you or anybody else. And I wrote, I mean, the not- Eli Bosnick story. Still, if you're pointing out that you're a gentleman and you would never rape somebody, you're being rapey. <laughs> well, right, right, exactly. Gentleman does not equal rapist. But again, let's take this analogy the whole way. He's like, I never force myself on anybody. Now, I may lock you in a room and not let you out until you have sex with me. Right? I mean, like that's basically the analogy here. I'll burn you forever if you don't have sex with me. I mean, well, right. Oh, right. I'm a rapist. I'm a bad god, <laughs> guys. This, yeah. this little diner trip reminds me that I'm a bad god. Remember the steak, though? That was nice. <laughs> I think this is going to be uh, Sting's Kevin Sorbo moment where we find out he's mad because God took his grandmother. Uh, that you know, it, it's just the precursor to God's not dead. This is where it's coming. Apparently, also, and I then he gives us this fucking nutso description of hell. He's like, "Oh, you want me to leave you alone? You know where I'll leave you alone? Hell." Because you know what's in hell? There's no sunshine on a spring day in hell. There's no um, rain, moon, moonlight. Hell, Earth is better than hell. Earth is better than hell. That's my point. My point is Earth is better than hell, okay? Yeah. To which Sting says, hey, if you're not going to be there, hell never sounded so appealing to me. And I'm like, hey, man, I, I was thinking the same thing just watching this movie. So, yeah. Um, he says there's still love. And I need to remind everybody this is coming from the guy who ordered genocide, but says there's no love in hell. The other place. Well, yeah, I mean, even the Christian chick in this movie isn't buying his bullshit at this point. She's like the uh, Kayla, the, the hitchhiker. She's like, well, wait a minute. Now, if everybody actually knew there was a hell, nobody would choose to go there. So saying that he made a choice is kind of bullshit, right? Yeah. He's <laughs> like, oh, no. no. Yeah, we, so. we say there are two choices. We can clearly see each of them. And the one we go is swan dive into the lake of hell. Party! Apparently. Yeah, and I, I wrote, as soon as she said that, I wrote, I bet this movie has no meaningful response to that. I win. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> and then he says, I've revealed myself to everyone. And uh, that goes along with the indecent exposure charge, I think. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> And I guess since this movie really only has the the one scene, we might as well just take a break wherever. But first, I'm going to give Act 3 the hard sell here. Will Hank get to spend the rest of his life with that vile bitch of a wife? Why would anyone want to condemn him to that? Will anyone ever get their fucking food order? Find out the answers to these questions and more when we return for the It's Time for the Credits conclusion of The Encounter. 
Okay, you guys are back. Let's try this again. Okay. Okay. All right, and no sexual stuff, okay? All right, now, uh, would you guys like some bread? Sure, that would be... Hey, take a look. Wow. Ooh. Oh, you're a magician. What? Awesome! No, 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 no. I, I'm not a magician. I'm, I'm here to tell you your deepest desires. Oh, okay. A mentalist. Awesome. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. Uh, what do I want? Do me first. Uh, okay, guys. That's not really what this, what this is. Okay. It's not like a trick. So see, you but... can't do it. Boo. Bad magician. Bad oh, magician. No, I'm not. Okay. Okay. Fine. You know what? Fine. I do know what you, you want ramen. I do want ramen. And you, sir, want to, I'm sorry. What do I want? No, you know what? They, never mind. This is not how this is supposed to go. I'm Jesus, and I, I'm here to like Boo, save souls. Bad magic, bad magic. Uh, okay, Jesus. you know what? Fine. You want water with cum in it? That's what you want. To go. I hate you guys. <laughs> and we're back for more of this shit. And if you're thinking to yourself, "Hey, didn't these people order food 41 minutes earlier in this movie?" No worries. Eventually, the writers remembered that, too. So we now get Jesus finally serving everyone their favorite meal. And it is the worst looking <laughs> so food I have ever <laughs> seen. I would take the, the the swirl bread covered in maggots that Helen Hannah got in movie four <laughs> over this food. It is so there is nothing. We're about to find out that a teenage girl was raped by her stepfather and the the burrito she has served is far more depressing. <laughs> far more depressing. Well, and it's like they don't even know that good food looks different than crappy food. Right. Isn't that the one thing Christians are supposed to be good at? Don't you guys do like collard greens and cake or I don't know, <laughs> something. Right? I feel like that was the one place you guys were supposed to be good. Well, and, but now there is, I mean, you know, it doesn't look very good, but apparently it is pretty good because all it took to like turn off the bitch switch for Hank's wife was a decent salad. She must have just been hungry. And who knew that's all it would take for bitch face Raven Simone to get the sand out of her vagina? Salad. Right? <laughs> yeah. Look, I think yeah. we've all had that moment where your wife hasn't eaten all day and then you finally you feed her and then she doesn't want a divorce anymore. Some of the guys out there get it. We can pretend Depends we don't on what get you're it, feeding her. But we get it. <laughs> yep, and Hank, maybe if you did learn to toss some salad, your marriage wouldn't be in trouble in the first place. Just saying. <laughs> there you go. It cures most ills, yeah. And then we get the weirdest transition ever where God basically says, Hey, Kayla, uh, if you come and eat with the family, I won't tell anybody about the R-A-P-E that happens in L.A. <laughs> it's becoming clear to me that Jesus has no concept of consent whatsoever. Yeah, <laughs> well, Makes right, sense. yeah, his, his views on black mail make that pretty clear right and everybody's like "Ooh, this is the best burger ever Ooh, this is the best salad ever and ooh, this is the best steak tips ever oh, don't even get started. <laughs> and then he gives her the burrito and i wanted her so bad to for it to be terrible and for him to be like yeah i hate mexican people sorry i just they name their kids Jesus. That bothers me. It bothers me. I'll, honestly, because I was watching this whole thing with the Cyrillic subtitles, and I'm like, I am so embarrassed that Russians are aware of this. This is probably why they're <laughs> fucking with our elections and shit. Yeah. Um. He also he serves Sting his steak, which looks fucking. It's gray. Oh, yeah. The steak is gray and unseasoned and, and uns. It looks disgusting. 
It's a por- yeah. Also, like he didn't even ask for a ribeye. He asked for a porterhouse cut, which is like, oh, okay, cool. Let me mail that to you for your birthday. <laughs> right, like, I mean, you can have anything. You're not going to go with a filet mignon. You're going to go with a goddamn porterhouse and a gray one at that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, 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 but, you know, like, uh, I guess Nick, uh, Sting's character, doesn't want to eat Jesus's food. And Jesus is like, I'm willing to give you many good things. All you have to do is ask. And I'm like, that's an analingus offer, isn't it? <laughs> Definitely. And when I which, say that. To which Caleb pipes up and is like, hey, can you undo the whole rape thing? And he's like, no, but you can have Sting's steak. Hmm? what do you think this was the most painful moment of the movie to me because this is the part where kayla points out that like hey jesus since uh you're in charge of things i guess it's your fault that my stepfather raped me repeatedly right and he's like i was just whipping you into shape by torturing you you ungrateful bitch (laughs) absolutely that is what this scene is right she gives a monologue which we're not going to go over every beat of she basically goes through all of the impoverished memes she's like my mom was a junkie and my dad was on the streets and i got stabbed with a knife and someone turned me inside out and wore me as a coat (laughs) for a week and it's so fucking ninth grade drama like they're doing their best to do like a slow pan in but they keep going past her fucking face and having to back up the camera work here is very clearly like dad zooming in very slowly say hi to grandma say hi right she gives this big quote unquote tragic monologue you know drama 101 and Jesus's response is yeah, but do you remember when you were going to shoot yourself in the head because of how sad you were about all the rape? Well, I made your stepdad, who raped you, fall down the previous night, which made him remove the clip from the gun. Now, fun fact, if he removed the clip from the gun, there would still be a bullet in the fucking chamber. Well, not necessarily, but yes, probably, yeah. Yeah, they're doubling down on the whole suicide apologetic thing. Jesus answered a prayer and stopped the gun after the rape, not before. You need to get raped to learn how to, you know, take, don't take your meds, just pray and all your anxiety and depression will go away. Pull the trigger, it'll be hilarious. If there's anything this movie wants you to know, it's that being raped builds character. Like I want him so bad sm- to say, like, I also made your stepfather's sperm impotent. I don't hear you thanking me for that. <laughs> Could have been going to hell for an abortion, couldn't you? But Did no. Did you notice I how fast that was? Did you notice? <laughs> he, and let's be specific here. He gives drunk dad credit for saving her life. Like, yeah, shut up, yes. bitch. You ain't got it so bad. Yeah, he took the clip out of the gun for you. Obviously, he cares. And well, and she goes, well, you saw what he did to me. You know, how could you not do anything? And Jesus pulls up his sleeves to show the stigmata wounds. She's like, oh, well, you got any stigmata wounds, bitch? Then shut the fuck up. Right. And uh, I mean, not to play like comparisons here, but like maybe getting raped by your dad is as bad. Like, it's not a fucking contest. Like, oh, did anyone rape that (laughs) hole in your wrist? No, no, they just like, ah, and then I died. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, oh, man, I think yours might be worse. Yeah, yours it, might be, because you got to yeah, live with it forever, don't you? Over and over again, and, and I died pretty quick for being crucified, actually. So. Yeah, and I didn't realize that Jesus was also the guy in the group who always has to one-up you. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, well, I got crucified upside down and naked while a lobster bit off my cock. Top that bitch. <laughs> Jesus the well, story then, topper. 
<laughs> he so is too. And and of course he has this whole speech to her now about how like he'll forgive her for getting raped, I guess, if she forgives her rapist first. Yeah. He says, look, you need to forgive your rapist because I want you to go back, go through the incredibly painful process of sending your stepfather to jail for raping you. And I want to be clear here. I'm not going to send him to hell because he's going to find Jesus in jail. But I Mm -hmm. will send you to hell right the fuck now for not (laughs) liking me enough. That is very clearly and and is about to be enacted out on another character. Sting, to our knowledge, well, okay, I shouldn't say Sting. Sting's character, to our knowledge, hasn't raped anybody, right? (laughs) He's just been like, no, man, at the diner, I don't accept your weird blackmail hell scenario. And he's like, great, you're gonna go to hell forever. (laughs) And right, and he's doing that right after delivering a monologue about forgiving this teenage girls rapist yes yes by the end of the movie sting will be punished infinitely more than the rapist yes keep that in mind and if, to his credit like a sting comes in at the end of this whole speech gives the slow clap and everything and then points out how disgusting it is to try to use an emotionally compromised moment to talk an abused child into switching religions yeah jesus you know what i got this christmas a pack of cigarettes they grab me and just said hey smoke up stinging <laughs> Also, this is when he does that, like, it's he tries to have, like, a it's not your fault moment with Sting. He's like, didn't you feel loved as a child, Sting? And he's like, yeah, I felt loved, but, like, that's not the point. You're an evil demon. And he's like, oh, sorry, Nick, gonna call you on that one. You loved the fruit stand. It was when Dude, everyone was in high school, told you you were poor, that you no longer wanted to be a simple fruit standerish. I don't know what the fuck... <laughs> I don't know what Jesus's point was in this fucking scene. Can anyone tell me? Well, I don't know what Sting's point was either because he like starts talking about like because at first he goes like, you know, he's like, why do you hate me so much? And Sting goes, I don't hate you. I don't even believe in you, which is just weird since you're talking to him, but whatever. But then he starts going off on what he does hate, which is this just weird libertarian rant in the middle of this, which I'm like, aren't the viewers libertarian by and large? I mean, like, aren't you making fun of your own? audience here i i I really didn't get that well first of all i have to point out the fact that i am for the most part a poor kid who got into an ivy league school so i have to hear this bullshit every single day but essentially what i'm getting out of this is you liked doing things for people and that's why you're worse than a rapist well, right. Yeah, exactly. Because he's talking about like, well, what are you what are you talking about? Like, I'm a terrible person. I mean, I, I create jobs with the with the with the with the business that I do. I make people happy. I, I make people money. I, I bought my parents a, a new house and, and new cars when I got rich. And I'm like, yeah, you seem like a pretty good guy. Nope. Not by this movie's fucking standards. Because he liked no, it. Because he wasn't yeah. satisfied with the roadside fruit stand. <laughs> Well, and because he was proud of his accomplishments. It comes back to that over and over and over again. He's like, yeah, but you did it with pride, so it doesn't count. Yeah. What? And they also point out that he's ashamed of his accent, so everything he's done is invalid? Yes. Yes. And look, I'm – okay, first of all, like getting rid of your uh, accent as an adult – very difficult accomplishment. Kudos to Nick for this. Like, that's not a bad, I mean, just, that's, it, that's a, like I said, really difficult thing to do. Um, but his reaction to this is to grab Jesus like he's going to kick his ass, which Jesus totally deserves at this point. 
Oh, and he can and, take it. I've seen him take it. And we all wrote in our notes at this point, beat up Jesus. Do it. Do it. Beat the shit out of I want it so bad, like a 20-minute just like, bah, 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 just like the Wilford Brimley thing at the end of the firm. Just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That joke was just for Andrew. Andrew's enjoying that. Everyone else gets it, to play no, along. people like it, too. In, a, in an alternate universe, this really struck me. It, like, they would twist this, and it would become some kind of Jesse Ventura conspiracy where it was like, and everybody could have come back, but you know what? Sting was there, and he turned heel and made sure that he beat up Jesus again, so he never <laughs> forgot his place. <laughs> so, but instead of the good ass kicking that Jesus deserves, he offers Nick a piece of really shitty looking pie so that they can be friends again. They couldn't do pie right. The food <laughs> in this movie looks like fucking dog shit. I mean, the, the pie that he has, there's the, like, the crust is all like crapped up on the front. Like, it, I'm, we're not like exaggerating. Like, this is really like, if you order this at a diner, you'd go like, oh, fuck, I spent $2 on that. Yeah. I, and, and I want to say, I'm saying this as a vegan. I'm saying this as a vegan. All the food that gets put in front of me is vegan. And I'm criticizing this fucking food. Yeah, and of course, this is where we have to get to grandma moment, right? Because like, uh, Sting doesn't remember his grandma, but if he eats the pie, which is grandma's old recipe, he will remember her or something. Right, so he has a flashback to when he was a baby and was at least part Chinese. <laughs> Radically <that>. different race. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but and then very weirdly, like, Sting shows up as an adult in his own childhood flashback to... Very uncomfortably touch the kid. Yes, I wrote in my notes that kid had a weird day where <laughs> some where Sting came up behind him and grabbed him while he ate pie in a movie. <laughs> like that's that kid's memory forever. I want to find that kid and be like, "Hey, do you remember the day?" And he'd be like, "Yeah, I remember the day Sting came up and grabbed me way too hard for several takes <laughs> until someone told him about the rabbits while they shot that." <laughs> And now we transition in the middle of this conversation to talking about Sadie. Now, was I just not paying attention or do they never give you any fucking clue who Sadie is? None. Okay. The way he describes Sadie sounds like the dog grandma had who went to live on a farm. Like, it, that's <laughs> yeah, what right. I got. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was supposed to be like an ex-girlfriend or something, but they don't establish that at all. Nope. So... And we also learn here that the reason that Sting doesn't want to love Jesus is because he's afraid that people will pick on him for being Christian. Because you know how in America, <laughs> like when you're Christian, people are always, never mind. Sure, uh, I don't whatever. know if you fellas know this, but uh, I'm a Christian pussy. <laughs> <laughs> and I also, okay, also got to point this out. Again, weird anti-libertarian moment here. Where, like Jesus is going like, hey, you know, you're not a self-made man. A lot of people had to work hard to like help you to your success. And I'm like, oh, but when a black president says it, this is the fucking worst thing that's ever been uttered. But it's OK for Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Racists. And I know it's just the wrestling fan in me that's that they use this specific terminology. He says, think of what we could accomplish with me in your corner. And all I could picture was Randy Savage just being like, he's going to be like me. Yeah, he's going to win the main <laughs> event at WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. Oh, see, I was thinking of Jesus, like, tagging into a match with The Undertaker. Like, he just tags in, he's wearing his weird, gross overalls, and he just starts telling The Undertaker <laughs> his favorite foods. <laughs> Steroids. Lots of them. You're not well. None of you are well. Humans don't look like this naturally. <laughs> and, and then... 
Officer DeVille shows up. Remember him from the beginning? Yeah. They still, oh, The Undertaker. That's who it is. Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah, so he shows up, um, and he's like, uh, hey, the road's clear here. Uh, have you guys been suckered in by this Jesus character? And Sting's like, no, Satan, I'm still <laughs> evil, so. Yeah, I didn't take any food. Hey, 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 I didn't take any food. And he's like, good job. And he's like, yeah, yeah thanks. <laughs> thanks. We're both wrestlers. We know each other from work. <laughs> It's like when me and Heath are at a convention and someone's talking about smart stuff and I start to do the jerk-off motion to make Heath laugh. That's basically what they're doing inside this movie. <laughs> also, there's this great moment where Jesus uses the uh, the smell-my-finger defense against Satan. <laughs> he does a Jedi mind fight thing. What the fuck like, was oh, going looks on? like he's coming with me and he goes like, me, 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 me. I wanted them so bad at Crazy Billionaire Money remake this movie where they do like a... <laughs> no, no, I blocked it with my bracelets. I have magic bracelets and I blocked it. No, because yeah. I have, I have anti-bracelet because I'm God and you're just this devil. Oh, well, well, then I'm going to use my fire then. The, 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 but the door is safe. The door is safe. <laughs> Yeah, and, and okay. Full disclosure: I am not a big Star Wars fan, but even I was sitting there going, "Did Jesus use the Force?" <laughs> oh shit! So yeah, so Nick goes off to burn in hell for eternity, and I wrote in my notes: bet they don't have money to actually wreck a car or even put a wrecked car on screen, and they don't. They, they don't. They sure just, don't. They just have like weird squealing noises. But there is this yeah. incredible moment where. The cop, the devil, is driving and he gives like a rock on symbol yeah. um, to Sting. And Sting apparently sees this and gives him a rock on symbol back. I actually thought that was a nod to a wrestling click that Sting was once saying called the NWO Wolfpack because that is exactly the hand motion that they use to each other. So I was like, oh, it's a reference. And somehow that's better than this movie. <laughs> there you go. That is better. But see, as I learned as a child, that is the symbol of Satan the with the two fingers up. I guess those are the, the horns and then the thumb is the little Fun fact, mouth or whatever. Also a symbol of Heath enjoys his food. Just a little inside <laughs> baseball for those of you. If you ever see Heath really enjoy a meal, he does like a very quiet, low to his waist, rock on gesture. It's weird. He does. He does. I've never <laughs> noticed that before, but you're right. Um, so, yeah, so we get the car wreck sound effects that they could afford. And then we head back to the diner so that Jesus can ask uh, Melissa to take Kayla back to L.A. Now, I want to make sure that everyone is completely aware of Jesus's plans. Jesus is sending the runaway back to her rapist so that she can talk to Child Protective Services and have him thrown in jail. A phone call would suffice. Does the victim have to be in the rapist's presence for this to work? Yeah, it's like freeze tag. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> also, he says, look, she's like, will I ever see you again? And he goes, I mean, not like this. But if you want to hear from me, listen to the Bible. Uh, ignore the parts about witches. I was drunk. <laughs> also, the slaves thing, like if you can get one, but like keep it on the DL. <laughs> Hank knows what I'm talking about. Right, Hank? My, no, no, no. Okay, not cool. <laughs> not my word. Um, but yeah, but again, we reinforce the message of this movie and many others. Trust in the voices in your head, even when that seems dangerous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the diner that doubles as Hotel California or something because they're like, yeah, you can check out any time, but you can never leave unless you're staying yeah. and it's Satan. Like, that's that cool. <laughs> Right. And then 
And he's giving everyone their like parting advice. So he's like, Melissa, remember, don't marry the Paul because he doesn't have enough Jesus. And then Hank's like, what about my marriage? And he's like, God, Hank, you are so fucking annoying. Just pray. Okay, Hank, just fucking pray. <laughs> well, but he also like makes it very clear that like, you know, he turns to Catherine and he's like, okay, now Hank's in charge now because he has the penis. <laughs> just, just so you know, that's the way it works. God, there were still eight minutes left in this movie. At this point, I was doing push-ups and shit to stay awake. It was so fucking bad. Um, and then, again, Jesus the one-upsman, he says to Catherine, your husband loves you very much, but not as much as me. I win. I win. Cashing out. And then he goes around the room telling everybody he loves them. And, hey, if you ever want to, like, last longer during sex... You just need this clip of this guy looking around the room going, I love you. I love you. I challenge you to jerk off to this scene. I challenge you. If any one of our listeners, I will send you a goddamn free t-shirt if you can come to the scene. You can't do it. You can't do it. And Hank, it all turns the- out you really had a heart all along. Wait, wrong movie. Yeah, sure. Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, everybody leaves. Of course, they have this very weird moment because I think the actress playing Melissa – didn't know that her and the Jesus character weren't going to fuck at some point in this movie because like every time she looks at him it's this like uh, we get a fuck now kind of a look and even as she leaves she stops and does the whole like come up and see me sometime thing yeah absolutely she reminds me of they did a prank show way back in the day where they hired porn actors and then they just had one of the actors refuse to initiate fucking and so you see these porn actors male and female just keep waiting for the other person to try to fuck them that's her entire performance if you told me this was like an hour and 40 minutes of that prank show that's what this looks like so yeah, so they all drive off to head wherever they're going or whatever. And damn it if they don't come across another roadblock with a different cop this time because Sting has died brutally and is now burning in hell for eternity. But and man, that cop re- reveals that information just totally fine. They're like, "Hey, uh, was was Sting died here?" And he was like, "Absolutely, I'm totally allowed to give you that information." <laughs> you want to see pictures of the body? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Jesus loves you and cares about you, but will kill you instantly if you don't listen. Sting has died for being successful and liking it. That'll teach him. Well, and again, in this movie, it's not just that he died, right? He's also now burning in hell for eternity. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's worth, uh, like, circling back to. I also love, okay, you know how, like, there's a figure of speech, where you say, wow, this movie really spelled it out, didn't it? Uh. That is not a figure of speech in this movie, okay? <laughs> so Kayla goes to the to the cop that stops him and is like, well, what about Officer DeVille? And he's like, who? He says, She says, DeVille, D-E-V-I-L, long awkward pause, L-E. It's because, like, the dumbasses who watched this movie didn't pick it up until then, y'all. Oh, That's yeah. why they had to put this in, because the test audiences were like, why DeVille, though? <laughs> right. And then when they go, like, are they saying French people are the devil? The French, because I, I agree. No. And then, like, again, in a normal movie with relatively decent movie making, they drive back to the diner and they're like, oh, it's gone. But instead they go, we were just at that diner. And... <laughs> Because they need to spell it out so clearly, the officer has this weird moment where he's like, I've been working this route for 10 fucking years, okay? There's no fucking diner. And they're like, oh, you're 
weirdly sure about that. <laughs> well, and again, like, are these characters just now figuring out that there was something supernatural about this <laughs> evening? They spent the whole goddamn evening talking to Jesus, and they're surprised that the cop doesn't know about the secret Jesus diner? Like, were you guys even watching this movie? Yeah, yeah. They would have gotten away with it if it weren't for that <laughs> meddling devil. <laughs> for real. So they go back, so everyone goes about their way, and then the black couple go back to where the diner is, and like, wander around looking for it, to see it, again, there's no reason for this scene, wander around looking for it, and have flashbacks to the movie. <laughs> yeah, desperately trying to get to 90 minutes at this point, yes. Yeah, they're awfully happy for knowing someone just died just simply because they left the Jesus diner. <laughs> you know, the guy who's willing to stop two girls from committing suicide after the rape, after the rape. But yeah, after the vi yeah. vehicular manslaughter is perfectly okay. Well, and also, again, like most movies, if they were going to do this scene, the two of them would pull up and there'd be no diner there. They'd go... Wow, this is pretty creepy, huh? And then they'd move on. But in this stupid fucking movie, the the, the wife's got to be like, are you sure it wasn't a couple more miles up the road? And he's like, nope, nope, this is it. She's like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, the foundation was over there. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, the gate was over here. Here's the parking lot. Like, they go on with this for like five fucking minutes. Right. Yeah, and then I think that they showed up to set a day after filming wrapped and were like, where'd it go? Like, what the <laughs> hell, guys? You didn't even tell us. You didn't pay Where's us Where's my asshole. check? Where's my check? Exactly. And then... And so they're they're convinced and they decide to double down on their marriage. And then we get for the ending, we get a cut of David R. White because he's fancy. And in Hollywood, he's about to eat. And God walks up and says, so will it be a menu or the special? Yeah. And oh, I, I got to say, I have to point this out because I actually wrote in my notes and I've never written this before. I don't believe. But I actually wrote in my notes at one point at the end of this movie. How can there still be two minutes left? <laughs> yeah. I was 120 seconds from the end going, there's, they can't possibly have 120 seconds shit left to say, right? Yeah, I got Return of the King flashbacks during the end there. It's like, holy shit, they're, they're, they're ending on the couple. No, wait, we're somewhere nope, else now. Nope. <sighs> yeah, I, I have to say, this was the least movie I have ever watched in 90 minutes. There was there was there was like literally four minutes of shit that happened in this movie. Yep. All right. Well, obviously, numeric ratings don't go low enough for this movie. So rather than asking how many stars you'd give it, I'm going to ask you this. Imagine you find yourself in a greasy spoon diner somewhere and you get a meal that's as bad as this movie. What did they just serve you? Um, I would have to say Sting's decapitated head from the accident because they would just bring it back and it would be like that scene in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. They'd be like, why don't you eat brains? That's what we do here. Like, I would still eat that. That that might be as bad as this movie. Chilled Sting brains. Good answer. Good answer. And Eli? I'm going to go with the burrito from this movie. <laughs> It looks so crappy. All right. Well, Riz, I can't thank you enough for hanging out with us tonight. Obviously, you know, we're going to have your podcast and your book linked on the show notes. But if that just isn't enough for our audience, is there any anywhere else that they can find you? There certainly is. Uh, I want to say something first, though, and that is that a year ago I discovered you guys. And in that time, I went from being a quiet pacifist in the closet person and I ended up coming out 10 months later by shouting at that hate pastor, I'm transgender, fuck you. I came out in public and I started speaking up and I wrote that book because of you guys, because of you four who really 
made me believe that I had a voice and it was worth hearing. And that's why I started my podcast. That's why I came out. That's why I wrote that book. So I owe a lot more to you guys than I could ever possibly explain. And I wanted to say thank you for that. Oh, wow. I, I've, I've literally got goosebumps from that. It's so sweet of you to say. Um, I, I, I got to say, and, and just for an oddly like real moment, then I guess, um, you know, we talk into an empty room all day and it, it, it really means a lot to hear to, to be reminded that that actually has some you know impact when it echoes so uh, thank you so much for that absolutely and uh, like I said I started my own podcast shortly after I discovered you guys that's the inciting incident podcast easiest place to find it is at inciting incident podcast.com or inciting incident dot uh, you know any of the apps to iTunes stitcher Google Play all that good stuff uh, my book is The PC Lie, uh, How American Voters Decided I Don't Matter. Uh, like I said, forward by Chris Cluey. Uh, there's contributions from Andrew Torres, Eli Bosnick, and my husband, a lot of other contributors. Uh, you can find that on Amazon. Or if you want a copy signed by Chris Cluey, I will send you a PayPal invoice. You can email writing at gmail.com. And if you are a wrestling fan, I do write the column in layman's terms under an old moniker uh, on lordsofpain.net every Monday and Tuesday. Uh, I also have a blog and I have a Patreon specifically for that. So I do a lot of work. I write a lot of things and I'm always trying to help anyone who uh, is where I was a year ago. It means the world to me to help anybody who is stuck in that situation. Right on, right on. And, of course, we'll have that all linked on the show notes. Riz, thanks again for your time tonight. Thank you so much. And, well, that does it for our review of The Encounter. That's not going to do it for the episode just yet because we still need to fire you up for the live show next week. So, Eli, tell us what's on deck. Oh, we'll be reviewing The Right to Believe. Huh, what an odd title. I wonder what that could be in reference to. Oh, we see, it's a, it's a fantastic little film about a small-town reporter who's Forced by his boss to cover a gay pride parade. Oh, God. And turns the interview that he's supposed to have with the gay pride parade into a debate about whether or not being gay is a sin. <laughs> this may be the worst movie we've ever watched. I think it might be, yeah. I, I've only seen the preview so far, but holy shit. It's not available anywhere, uh, so don't worry about it. We're going to go <laughs> through it, but my... Goodness, the physical appearance of these actors alone is worth flying to Chicago in the middle of January. <laughs> I certainly hope so, because I'm doing that. All right. And of course, remember, there are still a few general admission tickets left. You'll find a link on the show notes. If you want to join us in Chicago, we'd love to have you there. So with all that to look forward to, we're going to bring episode 73 to a merciful close. Once again, a huge thanks to Rissa McCool for hanging out and an even bigger thanks to all the Patreon donors that helped make the show go. If you'd like to count yourself among their ranks, you can make a per episode donation at patreon.com slash God awful and thereby earn early access to an ad-free version of every episode. You can also help us a ton by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes and by sharing the show on all your various social media platforms. And if you enjoyed this show, be sure to check out our sibling shows, The Scathing Atheist and The Skeptic Rat, available on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts live. If you have questions, comments, or cinematic suggestions, you can email godawfulmovies at gmail.com. Thanks again for giving us a chunk of your life this week. For Heath Enright and Eli Bosnick, I'm No Illusions, promising to work hard to earn another chunk next week. Until then, we'll leave you with the Breakfast Club close. Kayla went home where she was raped to death by her stepdad. The schizophrenic hobo who owned that diner killed Sting for not believing he was Jesus. That's just the plot of the goddamn movie. <laughs>
The preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved.